Hello, this week our podcast is regarding the text from week 9. We will be having a Q&A about the class materials, which discuss bilingual programs and policies. The materials we are reviewing and asking questions about this week are Nelson Flores' podcast, the online video conference, Revisiting and Reimagining Castaneda versus Pickard, and the programs and policies for educating emergent bilinguals article. Margie will start us off today with a question about the activity guide. Which video did you watch for the Your Choice question on the activity guide? What were some thoughts on the video you watched? How do you think teachers and schooling played a role? Hi Margie, I chose to watch the video titled Generation Translation Youths Discuss Interpreting for Their Parents. I thought about how even though it can be hard to have to translate for their parents, some of the students said that it actually strengthened their relationships and they feel more important in their household. For example, they got to know the important stuff that they would otherwise not know just because they have to translate this important information. Speaking on teaching and schooling, there should be more accessible English classes available to parents who may want or need them. These classes should be offered at the children's school for free. One student commented on his broken Spanish despite living in a Spanish-speaking household. Dual language education programs would allow him to further explore both English and Spanish so that he can develop both. Um, For the Your Choice um, section, I did the Generation Translation um, Youth Discuss Interpreting for Their Parents video. Um, And I thought this was interesting because, like, my family has never really had to deal with this. Um, My grandparents all grew up speaking English and like, not as their first language, but they did grow up speaking English, um, and so my parents did as well, and then I grew up speaking English, um, so to hear from these students who, um, often were not encouraged, uh, through their education to develop their multilingualism, um, and, you know, like, translating often damaged their perceptions of their Hispanic identities, so seeing cases of students like these shows like what we're trying to prevent, like particularly with students um, losing their L1 abilities. Um, so seeing students, you know, playing the part of a translator, I think instead of having students feel like their language is a burden to them or to their family or that it's like they're pushed into this adultified role, um, I think as teachers we could really encourage um it as a celebrated thing or as a thing that could help them in the classroom not just um in like adult circumstances like translating at the doctor's office or running errands i chose the buzzfeed video where um students discuss their experiences with translating situations back to their parents um oftentimes these people felt shame and frustration towards their parents not being english speakers because of society's um inherent racial bias towards those who can't assimilate to the language and within the 5 minute span of the video it actually made me really emotional to hear how they witnessed kind of firsthand the mistreatment um of extremely hard working individuals who many times came to america to make a better life for their children um even so their multilingualism was never seen as a gift or advantage even though they were communicating in so many diverse ways and 
diverse contexts. Um, and you could tell as they were talking about their experiences just how harmful and long-lasting the effects had on their identities growing up and um, the destructive perspectives that monolingualism in America has on impressionable kids who are only trying to educate themselves as well as their um, emergent bilingual communities that they're also a part of. Listening to the Language Education Podcast with Nelson Flores, I was stunned again to listen to how people put race and language hand in hand. What are your guys' thoughts on this? What are some negatives to putting race and language together? And how do you think people of different ethnicities feel about this? Yeah, so um, with the podcast with Nelson Flores, I... um, with the connection between race and language, I was kind of brought back to week five. Because um, I remember when we did the visual representations, um, part of my drawing was how race and language are connected, or maybe rather like how how language is racialized. So language-based discrimination, um, you know, versus racism, it's it's all just stemming from like systems of colonization and etc but also part of it that i thought was interesting was like the racial linguistic uh perspective asks us to assess our complicitness in these systems um and like how we can change discourse around these language practices like especially in our classrooms um and part of this is the label of ell english language learners um which frames the students identities as a challenge in which the main goal is to learn english um, so using a bilingual label um, removes the challenge, um, and instead it uses the student's abilities as a resource for instruction. So, you know, things like translanguaging, you can open up that door to so many more opportunities to enrich um, the student's learning process. Honestly, I am not shocked at all that people like to kind of, like you said, put race and language hand in hand. Even just looking at language in a more broader perspective, um, people who are racist will put down black individuals who use AAVE because they interpret it to be unintelligent. Again, this is completely racially motivated, and that's kind of why it doesn't shock me that People react that way if they hear a language that they aren't familiar with or don't understand. Obviously, the language that somebody speaks does not define their whole identity. And really narrow-minded people who like to box people in to either pressure them to assimilate or cast them out to be othered. So obviously those are kind of the negatives that come with the racial profiling and assumptions made about someone when they speak a certain language. Um, So with the programs and policies for educating emergent bilinguals reading, um, I was interested to see the events that have shaped bilingual education today Uh, especially since I remember a few of these playing a role in my own education. So um, I want to know which did you find particularly interesting and 
were any of these important to your education, like, growing up? Um, so my, I, I thought that it was interesting that, you know, when we discussed No Child Left Behind, like, I was born into that, like, I thought it was a good thing that it was like, oh, we're, you know, keeping everyone to certain standards, and growing up with that kind of system, it's just all I knew, so I assumed that it was a good thing. Um, and then when I watched the transition to the Common Core standards, um, you know, for me it was just like, oh, we're getting new math books. Um, but really, I, I didn't see like the underlying, um, you know, with the standardized tests and the uh, the things that schools have to achieve in order to receive any funding. Um, it was just interesting to like unpack the history of that um, and see how it really did impact the way that I experienced education and that other students did. And while I was in a position where it didn't really affect me negatively, I'm, lots of other schools um, have suffered because of the requirements placed on them by the Common Core Standards. Cameron, my first thought immediately goes to the English-only laws, um, which I think affected bilingual education in a negative way. Um, I think, like, this occurred in the 1990s, um, and that first is shocking because, like, that's only 10 years away or 10 or so, like 10, 12, from when I was born. And it started in California, and it passed the law pretty much, um, like, adding learning strain to all students who spoke other languages and I can't like as like bilingual education is something that's so important now I find it so incredibly difficult to believe that like 10 years before I was born that it was like not as important and I'm kind of thinking about how that played a role in my own education because like as a kid I, like, never really, like, had, like, any immersion into any other language other than English. English was always strictly spoken in my school. And so thinking about, like, the English-only law passing and then thinking to, like, the early years of my schooling, I kind of find that interesting because, like, I was never immersed into any other language until I got to middle school. Cameron, I thought that there were a lot of interesting and different approaches too that I had never even heard of. Um, I feel like when I think about ESL programs, I usually remember kids being pulled out um, into separate classrooms and a lot of the times um, they would kind of be labeled as this other because they weren't learning among the other kids in our class. One of the legislative policies that I am pretty familiar with and so are um, many other people is the no child left behind policy and i know that there were also kind of some controversial provisions in there so it wasn't necessarily the best and had to be replaced by the um every student succeeds act the essa ultimately they did both still focus on student performance and they kind of put that at the forefront but um there definitely were um, some other changes that kind of eliminated like the harsh um, federal penalties that um, schools would often be faced with under the No Child Left Behind Act, which I thought was interesting when um, they were revising the No Child Left Behind Act and came up with the ESSA.
yeah so thank you for sharing your thoughts and um on the programs and policies reading i wanted to know if you had any more notes on it um for me i thought it was interesting um in the reading when they mentioned like how we've shifted from using the word bilingual to things like dual language programs um as well as like how the seal of biliteracy plays a role in like the um globalization of the job market which was like also mentioned in the castaneda uh video with like um relating to economic gain and like preparing students for careers uh, with more like european languages um but particularly with the seal of biliteracy because that's something i that's a test that i took in high school and i got it and it didn't really like it was just another thing for me to have on my diploma but i never really thought about like oh why are we um like getting this by literacy like this is our goal but it's not really to acknowledge like the culture the depth behind languages it's just you know another thing to add to the list of things that you've accomplished but for students who have um a language other than english as their native language like I don't know if they're really presented with these uh same opportunities to take advantage of their knowledge and really use it uh to their benefit whereas, you know, um learning language through like the foreign language curriculum um it was always this other that was used to help us um uh, which is, you know, a big contrast to like the language as a challenge point of view. Cameron, I really like this question. Uh one thing that I want to talk about was the like back in the 1970s where Chinese American students felt like they weren't getting a fair education to everyone else. Um I don't know, like that one just kind of like stuck with me because like 1970s is like pretty recent. Like this like to me, I don't know, like my parents were alive then. Like that was during a time where like my parents were like in school or like going to school or like just getting out of school. And so Um, I thought it was interesting cuz I connected it to the 14th amendment and the court just like pretty much was like yeah like it's your guys' fault that like you didn't learn English like we're just teaching like you don't have like you're complaining that you don't get a fair education because like you just like don't understand our language and that is like extremely wrong like I don't know like it absolutely baffles me that that's like something that like a court like some people like you know people that we entrust to make like major decisions would like come across and i'm super happy that we've like evolved from that and like that's not something that happens hopefully as much if at all nowadays but i think that like seriously impacted like bilingual education because they pretty much like blamed like chinese american students for not understanding english like i that's something that stuck out to me the most Yeah, Cameron, you know, I think that the thing that resonated most with me and kind of got me thinking as a future educator was kind of just how most standards that are implemented by state laws, especially in Illinois, um focus primarily on the English language. When I looked up my high school's um goals and objectives for emerging bilingual learners and their student achievement 
I was kind of shocked because I really thought that mm, they would be doing more with um, such a big bilingual um, population, student population at my high school. When you look at America's historical past with biliteracy and um, bilingual education, you can kind of see how many of these um, emergent bilingual learners were in fact invalidated in their educational experience and students would be grouped as other and left to have supported or left to have support provided outside of the classroom. I think it's great that a lot of the Champaign school districts are very um, focused on providing emerging bilingual um, student support and not just pulling kids out of class and teaching them away from their other scholars. But by having a more inclusive classroom space and incorporating those bilingual practices with all students, because it can only help everybody. While reading programs and policies for educating emerging bilinguals, what are your impressions on the historical fight for more inclusive biliteracy education? Do you think our country is doing enough to advocate for bilingual education, and why or why not? Yeah, so with the programs and policies, it was, you know, very history-heavy, but specifically with, like, the fight for more inclusive biliteracy ed- education, um, it was very disheartening but also not surprising unfortunately like none of this surprised me really in any way that it was so difficult it was um it was more of like an acceptance of like oh yeah that makes sense um as to you know how we are today um that it's all built up on top of each other like all of this has amounted to um how bilingual education is enforced nowadays um but as for whether we're doing enough to advocate for bilingual education, I personally don't think so. Um, like we've talked about before with like the different kinds of bilingual education, I have most commonly seen like the pull out um, classes um, where the main goal is still assimilation, um, which, you know, fails to recognize uh, students' abilities to um, not only learn second languages, but retain their first in a way that um, really just benefits everyone in the classroom um, and also opens up like students' worldviews. And um, I think that education currently should definitely be more focused on the what they call like dual language. So encouraging use of more than one language in the classroom, I think, would, would be a, a step in the right direction. Jill, to begin with, um, I, like, that reading was, like, definitely something that was hefty and, like, kind of almost, like, embarrassing for me to read just because of, like, how the U.S. is shaped and how, like, even, like, more recently, the disclusion for, like, biliteracy education. I think that our country is not doing enough to advocate for bilingual education. Um, I'm actually going to connect this. I'm currently taking Spanish at school And my professor said herself that um, there's, like, a long way to go for bilingual education because, like, the programming or, like, the way that Spanish is being taught, it's trying, like, people are trying to force it at such a fast pace. 
or at least us, like the Spanish language, that like there's not enough like time for like people to process the information and actively use it. So I think that bilingual education or at least the correct teaching of bilingual education is not really being advocated for enough just because of like the way I've been taught and also like based on the readings and like the way that like it almost seems like every single time like the idea of language and unfairness was brought into a court it never was cited in my opinion the correct way and I was always settled based off of like oh you don't understand the language like go back and learn it I don't know this is such a good question though Thank you for tuning in to Dream Team 415's Week 10 podcast. I had a lot of fun listening to Margie, Cameron, and Jill. They had some fantastic questions this week. Tune back in next week for a discussion regarding community and family engagement.